I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. This season of Fairy God Boss Radio is brought to you by Cisco, the worldwide leader in IT networking and cybersecurity solutions. Cisco is deeply committed to inclusion and diversity because without diversity thought and a commitment to equality, there's no moving forward. Cisco was voted a top company for women by its female employees on Fairy God Boss. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. I'm thrilled to be joined here today by Tracy Pitcher, who is the Senior Vice President for Comcast Business, the Northeast Division. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Tracy, tell us about your career. How did you rise through the ranks to where you are today at Comcast? So, you know, my journey is probably a fairly long story, so maybe I'll turn it into four areas, and I think that'll explain the journey. So first, probably the most obvious thing that's contributed to my journey is hard work, commitment, professional curiosity, a ton of it. And then there's three areas I really like to double down on, and that is being resilient, reflecting, and then, of course, developing relationships. So that's really the first one, sort of my personal set of protocols, if you will. Second, um, the bulk of my career has been in operations, and operations has given me the opportunity to see all aspects of the various companies in which I was employed. So whether it was marketing and sales or support finance, and of course, leading people. And the reason I think this has been so important for me is that it created a broad set of transferable skills. And I think that's really important. Third, I've had people throughout my career who saw my potential and gave me a shot. So I'll use Comcast as an example. So technically, uh, there was a point in time where I only possessed residential experience. Um, And Bill Stemper, the president of Comcast Business, took a shot on me and gave me an opportunity to lead operations. This was several years ago now in Comcast Business. And again, this is where the transferable skills came into play. Uh, Then Kevin Casey, who happens to be the president of the Northeast Division, took me from Bill and hired me to run a region, which is a much bigger general management role, which was very rewarding and exciting. But again, that proven track record and transferable skills mattered. Um, So I think that it just sort of shows it's a little bit about having advocates and sponsors, but also building the skill set that you need to be able to move around. And finally, um, and this one is, I think, also pretty important, I was willing and able to follow the opportunities. So my family relocated seven times over the course of my career. Wow. So if I sum it up, it's hard work. It's being a continuous learner, developing a broad set of skills. It's seeking out sponsors who support your goals and be as flexible as you can be, right? It's not the same for everybody. So being flexible as you can be, I think is important. I love it. So can I ask, did you know that you wanted to be here or you knew you wanted to advance and achieve? I think that's an interesting question. So if we all go back and say, what did we want to be when we grew up? Sure. Right. We all want to be firefighters. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a prison (laughs) guard. I don't know why, but I wanted to be a prison guard. That's what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, So no, I think what's happened is for me, it's about seeing forks in the road and opportunities. And when you're constantly looking around you at and meeting people and paying attention, um, then I think you can identify those forks in the road and decide to go right or left or whatever makes sense at the time. Another kind of related question I have is these skill gaps that you pivoted to fill or whether gaps are sort of incrementally achieving or increasing your skills. Did you do that deliberately? Did you feel like, okay, I've only been in residential. What I really want to do next is 
learn about commercial or did it sort of happen along the way? I'm going to say it was a little bit more organic because, um, so I was in residential for, as you said, for the bulk of my, what we call cable. And by the way, we should probably call it connect. It's a connectivity business now, but, um, but I will say in one of my roles, I had the pleasure of being in an office next to a Comcast business person and really started to learn about the business uh, through that, that relationship and that exposure. And it goes back to what I said a moment ago, by paying attention to the things around you, you start to learn about things that might be interesting or will stretch you or will you know, uh, give you something different to try on for size. Yeah, it's amazing what you can kind of glean when you kind of open your eyes and ears to the things that are around you for sure. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about gender in your career and how it has played a role. Were you conscious of being the only woman in the room at times? Do you think that that has been a factor? So I, you know, it would be wrong to say that I was never aware of the times I was the only woman in the room, but I think that gender impacted my career in a little bit of a different way than that. I mean, I I don't think I was ever really uncomfortable being the only woman in the room, um, aware but not uncomfortable. But where gender did impact me was in this whole realm of individual confidence. So for example, I talked about how I had some wonderful leaders, you know, who helped me progress in my career um, and Mm -hmm. gave me a shot. But I created, Tracy Pitcher created self-imposed limitations. So I think there's some research out there that shows that women won't apply for the next job until they think they're 100% qualified exactly, or more. Exactly, the confidence gap, yes. Yes. Um, and then men on the flip side will apply for the job when they're 60% ready, if I remember the stat correctly. So right. early, early in my career, I was definitely guilty of that. And I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I, I'll share it with you and your audience. I literally had thoughts in my head like, how arrogant are you to think that you should even apply for that job? Like these are the doubts in my head. Or I even remember thinking one time, they're going to laugh at me when they see my resume. And that's, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And hard to believe though, also Tracy, kind of seeing where you sit today and what you've achieved. Yeah. So I'll tell you why probably um, I overcame that. So fortunately for me, I've created my own little private board of directors and people play different roles on my board. But one of my board members is in fact my husband who Mm. has always been a huge supporter of mine and he's always believed in me. And so back in those days, he really pushed me pretty hard. And I'll say this tongue in cheek, but there really is some truth to it. It was a situation where actually applying for the job, facing the discomfort of that was easier than explaining to my husband why I didn't apply for the job and having that conversation. So that is an amazing coach. (laughs) It is. And so I'm really thankful for that because I ultimately, you know, once I didn't get laughed out of the room and I got the job, you start to build on that success and that confidence and you don't, you don't need that anymore. But I'm really fortunate and grateful that I had that kind of backing. It also occurs to me that you talked at the beginning about resilience and part of resilience is getting comfortable with nobody would laugh at you, of course, but maybe they would tell you you're not ready yet and being okay hearing that. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So two parts to confidence there for sure. Yeah. So now that in the seat that you're in, where do you think there's opportunity? How can we all go about making advancements toward gender equality in the workplace? Well, I think a big part of that, um, when we talk about gender equality specifically, it is about watching out for 
other women in your organization, and I would also argue outside your organization. How do you influence you know, young women, uh, whether it's at things like Boys and Girls Club or Girls Inc.? And let's be honest, your personality is established in the first six years of life or seven years of life. So how do you actually start to influence young girls much, much earlier, you know, to build that confidence that we talked about. Um, Interesting. But as I think about where I sit today, generally looking around the women around me, I think it's really incumbent upon all of us to invest time and effort in each other. Um, it's so critical. And it's such an easy thing to do if we just intentionally do it. That's right. That's right. And it, it pays back on immediately, right? Because I think we get invigorated by those interactions as well. It does. And I'll I'll throw out a little personal story here too. I have a super good friend of mine who years ago, we worked at the same company and I don't know how the conversation came up, but one day she announced to me that we were competing with each other. And, oh. and I was like, I was like, Oh no, we're not. I mean, we had different jobs at the company. Like I, I, I didn't see that at all. And she's like, no, we definitely are. So what, what I took away from that is one, I disagreed. And I also told her, well, if we're competing, then you've won. So let's just move beyond that. But I will say my message here was that really stuck with me and that we shouldn't be competing with one another, but rather supporting and propelling one another. And that woman and I are still really great friends. And I would argue if you spoke to her today, she would say we are not competing. Um, That that was, I think, a more youthful point of view um, about gender in the workplace than it is today. Youthful and also in some ways was more true many, many years ago, probably long before that happened. Yeah, yeah, I do. And agree I think with that. that's a real transformation that has happened. And we all have to get past is there isn't room for just one woman to succeed anywhere. Right, exactly. And I love the fact that you said that, because I agree, I see so much less of that today than I did 15 years ago, let's say. Today, it feels like there's many more opportunities for women to get together and build each other up. We've made great progress. Yes, and me too still. And there's more to be done for sure. Absolutely. Okay, Tracy, you've been so candid already and I appreciate it. Would you be willing (laughs) to tell us about a mistake you made along the way and what did you learn from it? Yeah, so the mistake question, right, is probably sometimes the hardest question uh, to answer, but I will go ahead and share one with you. So one of the things that I've learned and, you know, as things happen to you across your career, there are little moments in time where you get to evaluate yourself and make decisions about how you're going to lead and move forward. And one of the things I learned a little earlier in my career was the importance of humility and putting your ego aside and consciously making the decision to do what's best for the business. My mistake is on probably two occasions that I can think of, I've run across people that don't have that same priority. Mm. And my mistake was, and really sort of assuming that they did, that they were operating from the same place. There are people, let's just be honest, who cannot put their ego aside for the sake of the bigger picture. There are some people where their priority is themselves and their individual goals and objectives. And as a result, they can do damage to, you know, um, relationships or projects or initiatives that may be happening. And so, you know, one of the things I've really learned is I've got to really pay attention and understand what individuals' motivations are. You know, what are their priorities? And then just be prepared to manage it. Don't judge it. Just be prepared to manage it and take time to listen to the people, take time to understand their motivations. And then, of course, seek area of common ground and then build from that. But that's one that I think occasionally catches me off guard when I run into those folks. Yeah. And context is just so important and hard 
And actually, I don't know if you've read uh, Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. It came out this year, but it is all about that. It's very interesting. Uh, I will put that on my list because I have not, and I love him as, a, as an author and writer. So that would be great. Excellent. All right. So Tracy, 2020 has been a very difficult year. How have you persevered through it, through the adjustment of working in the new normal? How do you manage working from home? How do you manage still driving your business, even when we can't be together to work together? How are you surviving all this? Well, you know, I will say that part of my survival is because of the company that I work for. So here at Comcast, we're really built to meet challenges head on, innovate and be agile. And so with COVID-19, you know, the most immediate focus was on getting our employees safe and making sure they stayed healthy. So whether it was getting folks home, and we did that literally in mere days, or for those that do have to interface with the public, finding ways to protect them. But for me personally, I didn't think I was going to like this whole working from home thing. But I do believe that with the tools, things like, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams, you're actually able to retain the connections. Um, And so a couple of things are happening. One, uh, whether we're talking about the day-to-day business and, you know, managing productivity there, dealing with COVID-19, social injustice and racism, the political environment, there's so much happening around us. What's really uh, surfaced for me is that listening is the number one skill. Mm. I'd like to think I've always listened, but it's definitely become an area that I've had to double down on and I'm placing extra attention. And the reason for that is when you're moving fast and trying to solve problems, sometimes you make decisions, but you're not solving what people or what your team actually needs. And so I've really taken the stance that I'm not going to assume anything. I'm going to ask. Um, and then, as you mentioned before, resilience and perseverance is something that, you know, is a, a personal foundation of mine. And so not just now, but always, uh, we get to choose how we respond to the things that happen to us or around us. One of my favorite quotes of all times is things work out best for those that make the best of the way things turn out. Mm. And that's from, um, John Wooden, one of the great NCAA basketball coaches, Um, It is a good quote. It may be easier said than done, but it's doable. And I think in this world, we're starting to find how resilient people can really be. For sure. Uh, And it's a good exercise for us all to see how resilient we can be. Exactly. Right. The things that would have seemed so overwhelming, we're we're surviving, we're managing. Right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about that tough topic of work-life balance. Now, you mentioned you've moved only seven times (laughs) with your family. Tell us a little bit about how you've managed to raise a family and have a huge career all at the same time. Um, Sure. So I'll be happy to go into that. So my children are now grown. um, So clearly, I do not have the same challenges that parents like yourself have that have, you know, school-age children going back to school or in some cases still staying home. But to your point, work-life balance has always been something that has existed and been a challenge. So there's an organization called Women in Cable and Telecommunications, WICT, as we call it. And Maria Brennan uh, is the president of that organization. And I was on a panel with her a couple years ago, and she said something that really resonated with me. She said, it's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration. Mm -hmm. And I think that that concept of integration is even more true today, particularly when home is work and work is home. I don't know that it gets any more integrated than that. 
and then I guess what I'd build on to that is balance suggests that there's like a perfect equilibrium. There is not. Integration recognizes that there are parts of your life that need to coexist. And at times, one is going to have to take precedence over the other. And we should sort of take a deep breath and try to get comfortable with that. So I'm going to share... Um, a little story with you that sort of puts my family perspective into background uh, and, and maybe help you understand how I managed it when, when my kids were younger. So I worked a lot. I already told you I have a, a definite commitment and a love for what I do. But I found out one day that my kid was one of two kids that didn't have a family adult show up at author's day at oh, school. No. There was another time the daycare called me to say, do you realize that your son is usually the last one here? And we're really concerned about how he feels about that. Oh, and those then, are hard calls to get. It, it was hard. Yeah, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And then there's a third scenario. I was in a week-long professional training course, and part of it was really to get great feedback. And I received a lot of, I'll call it constructive, maybe teetering to negative feedback about my priorities and that I work too much. Um, so I called my husband. You were getting in tears. it on all sides. <laughs> I was getting it on all sides. So I called my husband in tears after all of this came together. And I really just said to him, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible wife. I'm a terrible mother. And here was my husband's response. He said to me, I have no idea what those women just did to you, but you are a great wife and mother. And all we ask is that you don't read the Blackberry at the dinner table obviously dating the timeline here. Um, and in that moment, it really changed my attitude. I was busy defining life-work balance based upon somebody else's definition about it. I wasn't thinking about it as integration. And just as a side note, that really helped me take the pressure off and quit judging myself. Now, I did ask my son about Author's Day, and his response to me was, it was fine, mom. And I don't remember the little girl's name, so I'll just say Sally. Sally's grandpa was super nice. We stayed outside and played for a long time. It was a great day. And when I asked him about being the last kid at daycare, I said, how are you, you, know, how are you doing with that? And he said, well, when all the other kids leave, I get to play with any toy I want, and I get all the attention from the teachers. Mm. <laughs> so my advice on all of that is ask your family or friends or whatever you know, groups around you you know, listen to their feedback. Don't assume, don't define it in terms of anybody else. And here's my final note. Kids are resilient. Oh yes, for sure. And everyone's a critic, right? Yes, exactly. And you have to define, you're right. You have to listen to your own constituents, your family and define what's right for them. But I, I think what I have to say is that your husband is fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) We've been married 32 years. So I have to agree. Yeah. Give props to your husband in, in couple ways here. So that's very nice. Okay. I'm going to move to some fun questions now, Tracy. Okay, great. What is your favorite karaoke song? So first of all, nobody wants to hear me sing karaoke, but if I do, it's going to be Benny and the Jets. And that's really because nobody knows all the words. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Great. Yes. Um, What's your favorite way to practice self-care? I love my Peloton. That is just, there is a whole cult there. Culture and a <laughs> there cult. is, there yes. is. Great. Who is one celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? I'd like to have dinner with Pink. Oh my gosh. My daughter and I have a whole Pink thing and she's only six. Yes. I, I, uh, I just I love know, that. any Any person who's willing to sing a song on the side of a building, yeah. right? I, I like, I feel like I just need to get to know more about you, you know? Right. I, really she's interesting. Fearless and also I think has taken a really strong kind of moral stance in a very cloudy space. Absolutely. Yes. What is a book you'd like to recommend to our audience? 
So I have two books that I would recommend. Um, one is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. A classic. It's a classic. I think it was written in 1937, if I'm not mistaken. And yet yeah. the principles you know, still hold true today. The other one is Jim Collins' Good to Great. Also a classic, um, but a more recent a classic. But a more recent classic. I will say, though, right now I'm reading the book Extreme Ownership, which is how U.S. Navy SEALs win and lead. Um, that one's actually interesting and in a whole different way. But if you go back, these kind of go back and reflect on the relationships, which is Dale Carnegie, reflection, really, when you think about extreme ownership, um, and then, you know, resilience on, on good to great. So I didn't mean for that to play that way, but it appears it did. <laughs> the themes that resonate with you are the themes. Yes, that's right. All right, sort of back to our conversation earlier about asserting yourself, defining your ambition. At Fairy God Boss, we've acknowledged that women are just not as good talking about our successes, taking credit, or bragging. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Tracy, and ask you right now, can you brag for us? I can, um, and it's hard, like you said. So I'll start with, uh, I'll start with this. Um, I've already mentioned to you that I've been married 32 years. Um, I have two adult children who are, I would argue, confident, independent, and successful people. So I'll brag about that. Um, but second, here's something else I'll say to you. I work for a Fortune 50 company as a senior vice president, leading an organization responsible for generating billions of dollars in revenue. And I think that's pretty cool. So I me actually will too. say I think I'm it's proud incredible. of what I've accomplished. Yeah, I feel You gave me that. chills. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So Tracy, we've covered a lot today from resilience to developing skills, following your curiosity. What is the number one piece of advice you want to leave with our audience? What would it be? I'm going to stick with my trifecta. Practice resilience, right? You get to choose uh, how you respond. Practice reflection. Um, it's so important that we understand our opportunities and then build relationships because even those who are individual contributors don't truly work alone. We all work with and through others. 100%. Tracy, it's been such a pleasure spending time with you today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.